heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a June 9th Friday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer. At many places, Associated Press, Real GM, former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find a wide variety of shows covering the NBA, the NFL. The Locked On Network is hiring. Become a part of the fastest growing network in the sports podcast space. We're looking for a sales manager. Hit up Locked On Podcasts at gmail.com that's locked on podcasts at gmail.com today we have a fun draft related uh episode i had my buddy chad butler on the show he is a friend of mine from my hometown and from college uh real into the draft and uh, just has a lot of knowledge. He's been studying this a lot more than I have, so I definitely wanted to have him on. Also a good chance to talk to my friend. So it was great. hope you uh, enjoy that. Uh, and obviously the NBA Finals are tonight, Game 4. Uh, we, we talked about that a little bit on the podcast. And there's, not gonna, there's probably not going to be any more NBA games to go to anytime soon. Uh, since it looks like the Warriors up 3-0 are going to sweep. But if you need to get a concert uh, ticket and and you want to go to an outdoor concert, maybe in the Northwest you want to go to a Timbers game or a Thorns game, maybe make the drive up to Seattle for a Mariners game. They've been playing a little bit better, which has been nice. I think the way for you to get to the game or event that you want to go to is SeatGeek. They have a revolutionary grading system where they organize all of their deals from 1 to 100, with 100 being the best, 1 being the worst. They search multiple ticket sites with their uh, technology and find you the best deal across multiple sites, saving you time and money. It's the first place that I look at when I'm looking for tickets to a game or a concert, going to the future show this weekend in Seattle. Found my tickets on SeatGeek. Very easy seamless and uh, just save me time and money. But the best thing about SeatGeek is that all of my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. And to get that $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter promo code LOBLAZERS and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOBLAZERS today. And with that word from our longest standing sponsor, SeatGeek. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Chad Butler on the NBA draft 
had a lot of fun. Uh, Blazers had some workouts. We talked about a lot of those guys. So uh, enjoy, and we will see you next week. Hello and welcome to a June 9th Friday edition of the Lockdown Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer at many places, Associated Press, Real GM, former Blazers beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. And today I am joined by my pal, one of my homies from the great city of Salem, Oregon, and a draft consultant for us here on Locked On Blazers, my homie Chad. Chad, what is up? Uh, how, how you been? I know that you've been looking at draft videos for the last few months, but I'm, I'm sure you're excited for, for the draft to finally be here. I am. I am. It's great to be here. So thanks for having me on. But yeah, been uh, studying the Blazers uh, draft prospects for a while. It's actually the first time we've had a first round pick and I think since CJ was drafted. So exciting times. Yeah, uh, I, they, I believe they did have a pick, but they did not. They ultimately did not keep that pick. So this will be the first time that they're going to have the like Plumley a trade. Yeah, exactly. The Plumley trade, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. They got um, Pat Connaughton in that, but he wasn't really an excited or an exciting prospect like I think a lot of these guys could be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just from looking at the draft, and I'm sure you've heard this from other experts out there. I mean, this is just one of the deeper ones. You hopefully find some, you know, starters rotation players in the first round, which is typically a bit rare. So, yeah, I think uh, with three picks, we're in a good spot. Yeah, definitely. And definitely also in a good spot to potentially trade uh, some of those picks to help uh, Portland's salary cap outlook. But... Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, you've been watching the finals, right? Uh, obviously, uh, how you been feeling about that? Uh, the last game I got to say was the best game of the playoffs. In my opinion, uh, I I can't, I think it was by far the best game of the entire postseason. but, uh, ultimately the Warriors went up three Oh and that's where we are. So, I mean, how, how is it looking to you right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously the outlook is looking pretty bleak for the Cavs, but it, it it's been interesting. First of all, for me too, I've been living in San Francisco for the last three years, so been here for the the Warriors running as a Blazer fan. Uh, not the most exciting, but so it's fun for the Cavs, LeBron guy. But you know, it just kind of goes to show that the Warriors, only the Warriors can do what the Warriors do with five athletic guys. They can all shoot. They can all switch on pick and rolls. Uh, it's just something that the Cavs can't match up with. I mean, look at Tristan Thompson is getting paid $20 million a year and can't even stay on the floor. So it's very interesting. I think the the Cavs are, are pretty much toast now, but we'll see. Uh, I'm excited to see how they adjust this summer. So Totally. I, I think that that is, is going to be a great storyline because I mean, we already saw, I mean, and even I was thinking this too as soon as the game's over. And, and people have talked about it even after they won last year. Woj wrote about it that now the, 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 you know, the, the, the weight was lifted last year when they won the title and he doesn't really owe anything to Cleveland anymore. And mm-hmm. so if he wants to go west, he he has the opportunity to do that now, but I, I I think your point is pretty solid that, you know, I think they'll wait to retool 
and figure out what's next because I'm not necessarily sold that if he goes to the Clippers, say, that teaming up with Chris Paul is going to be a better partnership than teaming teaming up with with Kyrie. And Love has been really solid. I think the point about Tristan you made is really interesting and pretty wild considering Tristan was such a major key to their success last year. And it's like Love actually hasn't been the problem this this time mm-hmm. around. Like Love has been pretty solid and has stayed on the court and, and done well, but it's Tristan that hasn't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the Warriors are going to win tonight. And also too, you know, it was finally, it was fun to see the Warriors against the ropes a little bit. And totally. And it, it's it, it, been challenged the entire postseason, even a bit. So. Yeah, exactly. It was, the, it was the first time that the game was in doubt in like the last two minutes of the game when they played it and they really stepped up and, it's funny. I, I, they have made the NBA playoffs look like Team USA in the Olympics. Like yeah. th- they, and even the games where it, it gets close and is tight and it's kind of in doubt. In a lot of ways, it, it's kind of like watching United States get in like a tough game with Serbia. Like it's it's just <laughs> you know it, it, as weird as that is. And LeBron James plays for Serbia. Yeah, exactly. But Serbia is like a, a team with three all-stars and possibly one of the greatest players ever. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy trying to put this in perspective, too. I think, you know, one of the last teams that actually had this deep of a run that almost went undefeated was the Shaq Kobe team that went, I think, 15-1 and against Iverson. And you see all the teams they rolled through, and they probably weren't the best. Iverson had Eric Snow as his, uh, you know, counterpart there. And the Warriors are doing this to LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love. Like it, it's pretty pretty crazy when you put it into context. So you kind of got to tip your hat to them, but it'll be interesting to see how the whole league kind of reacts because they they've noticed you can't beat the Warriors in small ball, but at the same time, uh, you have to be able to match up with them to some degree. So maybe, uh, yeah, I, it's 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 so difficult. And the point you made about LeBron too, you know, he's probably the greatest player ever, and I. I'm I'm not going to be excited to have to defend his legacy for years from now because what's about to happen if the Warriors win tonight? He's going to have two finals sweeps. One, yeah. like, and that is, I mean, that's tough to overcome. That's that's a real tough uh, thing to overcome. That a guy that is probably the greatest player ever, or at least in the discussion for the greatest player ever, has two sweeps. On his name. I mean, granted, the first year he was basically the only player on that Cavs team worth yeah. worth it, anything. It's hard to hold that against him, but it's on the it's on the resume, right? So, yeah, exa- exactly. And and then but, this and then this one, it's the greatest team of all time. The other thing I will bring up, though, which I I, I liked when you mentioned that LeBron could go west, is my theory is if he goes west, now he just has to beat the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. You don't, because the funny thing about LeBron is people almost hold the finals loss as worse than a conference finals loss because nobody knows his conference finals record, right? So if he just loses to the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, you know, so be it. But if he gets over them, then it's a cakewalk in the finals. So just a little conspiracy theory to throw out there. But I don't see him moving, but who knows? No, that's a good point. And the other thing that I just, that just popped into my head when you mentioned that too doesn't have to do with his overall finals record and his resume in that respect. But as he gets older, he's going to have more energy earlier in the playoffs. 
You know, he's going to yeah. have more energy potentially in the conference finals or a second round series or whatever. And if he can get them early when he's rested or whatever, you know, maybe that's a better chance to take them down than it would be to go through three series of basketball, even though they killed everyone in those in those three series. That's still a lot of mileage, a lot of travel uh, that they have to go that they have to go through. So that's another that's another idea is just, you know, face them earlier and maybe you have a little bit more in the tank to give. But I I just it's it would be really interesting. Uh, I'm just thinking about LeBron and Lonzo Ball. Yeah, it it could happen. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So everyone's getting caught up in the moment right now. But what do you think of this changing in the guard talk of KD, you know, being the best player on the planet and kind of overtaking LeBron's throne? Is that is that something see moving forward? Is LeBron really on that that kind of decline that we're going to see gradually through the rest of his career? No, I I I I'm not. I mean, Kevin Durant. Recency bias. I think it's recency bias. I I mean, Kevin Durant's numbers in this have been out of this world in the, in the finals. Like it has to be said the first two games that he had were like, were games that like were on the same level as LeBron last year Mm -hmm. in the playoffs. But to me, they don't mean the same thing. Like to me, LeBron has so many more intangible responsibilities to their basketball team in terms of like being a help, being like the only good help defender, you know, being, the men being the leader of their team and luckily for Durant, not saying that this is like a knock against him that he can't do that. Cause he did it in Oklahoma city for a long time. I thought, but his, his just level of responsibility, the stuff that he has to cover for there's, there are less things that he has to cover up for that LeBron does have to cover up for. I feel like the warriors just give Durant just the ultimate platform to just do what he does best. And he's been great on defense. Durant has for sure. And his defense has been phenomenal. And that might be the only thing I would say that is like making this a conversation. Like his, his blocks, his help side has been phenomenal, but, and he's been protecting the rim. I mean, it's been all, it's been great. I just, I'm not ready to give uh, that the best player in the world crown to KD just yet because he gets to play with, Curry, who is the third best player in the world, and Draymond Green, who is defensive player of the year, and then Clay Thompson, who has been the best perimeter defender in the league for the entire playoffs. So it's just like I, I don't like he just he just has I think he's just benefiting from the situation right now, and that's why he went there. That's why he went. So I mean, I'm not I'm not mad at him. It's just I'm not I'm not ready. It's to- for Wilson. He he knew this was going to happen, and and I, you can't fault the move now. I still don't think it was the best move, competitive uh, from a competitive standpoint. But hey, I mean, teach his own. So if he gets a ring once again in ten years, are people going to remember with with so much hatred that he did that? Probably not. So see what happens. And and there's always too like I mean. The NBA stuff happens like it, it and, and, you know, you never know what's going to and obviously Durant is ready to take a pay cut. It sounds like and ready to clear. let's just preface a pay cut with, with 32 million instead of 35 million. So he's not he's not <laughs> <to catch> anything. 
Exactly. He, yeah, he, he, it is an admirable move by KD to be so gracious to pick up for sure. Totally, very very gracious move on KD's part to to yeah. to go from thirty six to thirty two. But I, I think <laughs> I saw yesterday too during one of the quotes that like Andre Iguodala already said that he's gonna like oh I'll see you guys again in July first week of July or whatever. So he's basically already telling the media that he's gonna resign. So even though. But I mean, that's what he's saying right now. Maybe I, 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 but it doesn't sound like he's interested in a, in like a, in in a just a big money grab. I think he, it, it's, it feels like he wants to just keep winning rings. And so, yeah, uh, I think those guys are smart. They got they got a smart core there. They know what's kind of in front of them and the possibilities they have for a dynasty, several rings. I don't think any of those guys, especially at their stage in their career, Iguodala, Livingston. I mean, there's not really any other. Uh, better spot for them unless they really just want a bunch of money. But I think we'll see them running back next year, and uh, this is good. So it's going to be scary for the league. Yeah, it is. It is. But um, I, I, you know what? I, I think the approach sometimes, you know, you just kind of – you got to enjoy the, the regular season. You got to enjoy the moment. Uh, I, I think uh, even more now than before because – the NBA has always been a, a top-heavy league. Just the this this playoffs has been uh, just an outlier in terms of like yeah. not even, more to, yeah because I, I just want to say before we move on to the draft stuff, we we talk the, the the conversation about the Warriors are beautiful and 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 the NBA has always been top-heavy. The Warriors are beautiful and the NBA always has been top-heavy, but that's only if you look at the finals. And in in recent years, I mean, looking at Miami as an example, they had seven game series in the conference finals. Like they would have, they were down two one to Indiana the year they won the, the, their first title in the second round. Like like they had adversity in a way that the Warriors have not had adversity, and that to me exactly. also makes the Warriors even more probably should make us appreciate what the Warriors are doing even more because it is such an outlier what they're doing in the playoffs yeah they're running through teams. i mean and obviously the there's not the biggest roadblock there at the eight seed but i mean they handled them the jazz was honestly the most surprising the jazz are going to slow down the game they have obviously the best defense league but to go 4-0 against them and then obviously the spurs they got a bit of a break there with with Kawhi being out but man it's you're, you're exactly right i mean a lot of games go six, go six seven games and the warriors are completely running through everyone yeah, pretty pretty amazing. So uh, we are here to talk draft. There, the Blazers this week have already started their pre-draft workouts. We are getting lots of names, names that I think we have looked at on mocks and talked about, uh, but not really as much here on the podcast. Uh, we had Mike Weisenberg last week. Uh, from NBADraft.net, but we're, we're going to continue going into these prospects a little bit, learning a little bit more about them because, frankly, you know, I, I feel like there's not, you know, we could learn a lot about these guys because we don't know who the, who's going to end up on the Blazers, and this is a lot of fun. That Portland has three picks, like you mentioned, Chad. Like this, is, you know, we don't get to do this very. We haven't gotten to do this in a while. This is like Christmas. I've been like you said. I've been waiting for this this time for a few months now. We picked up that extra pick in the Nurkic trade the Cavs trade was clutch too because we were originally supposed to have the Cavs pick next year we swapped it with them for for this year's pick so they're able to 
uh, avoid the, the Stepien role there, I think, and go get Channing Fry, one of those Kyle Corvers. So I'm excited, man. Three picks. So who you uh, who you kind of got your eye on? Anybody been uh, jumping out at you, or what do you think? What do you think the Blazers need? I think three man, four man, uh, finding a starter there is is paramount. So what are you thinking? Yeah, I, I have been, you know, best player available, but yep. I think, and, and obviously big man uh, was a, a struggle for them last year, but the more I think about it, I feel like Portland's in a pretty decent spot there with uh, with Nurkic, obviously, and then the way Vonley came on at the end of last year was really encouraging. So I, 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 I'm kind of in your camp right now with a more of a wing guy, a 3-4 type wing that can be versatile and and potentially start for the Blazers because I think the consistency... Our, starting, our, our three is set, right? Our backcourt set, Nurkic is going to man the middle, so we just need to find two guys around them. So Yeah, and and the the, the draft, it, it could be a, a, a real big opportunity Uh for the Blazers to find a potential starter or, you know, use their picks to trade with some of their guys they have under contract for a potential starter, I think still could be a possibility. But yeah, I think they need a three, four. I think they need guys around those, those three guys that you mentioned. So, uh, well, you know, as, as the guest, I think I'll ask you first, uh, Who at that? I guess at th- as as a three four are, are you looking at for the Blazers to add? Uh, I'm assuming with the 15th pick because that's their best one. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and you mentioned a bit uh, a good point there about best player available. I think that's something that Oshi has to do first and foremost is is pick the best player available because obviously we've seen as Blazer fans, there's been. The Martel Webster trade haunts me. We could have had Chris Paul, but Slash and Telfair was supposedly the future. So we you, you can never think about that. You got to go best player available. But I got my eye on John Collins, power forward out of Wake Forest. Uh, I mean, I think he led the uh, league in, in points and rebounds, 19.2 points, almost 10 boards. He kind of reminds me of a little bit of Aldridge with his footwork. He's got a face-up game. He can shoot a bit. He has a, a nice jump hook. He can rebound the ball really well, but the only thing that, that's holding him back and obviously is important for the Blazers is his, uh, his defense isn't great. And I think his instincts aren't quite there. He gets lost a lot. He does the Mo Harkless kind of looking at the ball when his, when his guy back cuts. So we'll see. He's definitely got some, some flaws, but I really like his game. And the next guy is OG, the small forward power forward out of Indiana. So I think he's good, but the only thing there is he, he tore his ACL in February, so he hasn't been working out. He was at the Blazers practice facility this week, but – uh, no workouts yet. So assuming that the team clears him on an injury and he's good to go, I like him there. But I think this is a perfect opportunity for she to go high risk, high reward, because like you said, we have three picks. We're in a good spot as far as already a playoff team. So I think, uh, I think we're playing with a little bit of house money, a little, little room to gamble. So, yeah. Hey, well, yeah, exactly. They, they uh, have some lots of options here. I think I agree with you that, uh, I think on one of these picks, at least they're they're probably I, I would be I would definitely approve of like a more a high upside risk reward type of play. Uh, OG obviously with the knees seems like a guy like that, and it and I'm sure that they had him in so that they could look at those uh, for for him. And you know everything that everyone says about him is he's just an amazing defender. And yep. 
the Blazers still need that. I think they just need a guy, you know, Aminu in that role two years ago, or not this past season, but the year before when they made the playoffs and, and, made, and beat the Clippers and, and all that. They were great in large part because Aminu filled that role extremely well and dedicated himself to defense, always guarded the other best player, always, you know, did whatever the team needed in terms of dirty work. And I think that's why they were able to win so many games was that Aminu just really thrived in that role. And then this year he got hurt. He couldn't make threes. And Harkless did a better job. But as you mentioned, even Harkless still has those moments where he's just like, you know, not always locked in. And 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 the Blazers just need someone that that is always just on. always on. Yeah. You need someone who's who's gonna have that motor, so yeah, and 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 he totally uh, is a guy that I from everything that I I've heard, you know, OG is a guy that that could potentially be that guy. Um, the thing that worries me there is he's a little bit, uh, you know, has some Aminu in him, which you know could be a little bit repetitive on our roster. But like you said, the guy plays D. He's a lockdown defender. He's got a huge wingspan. He's six eight, six nine, can jump. He shoots pretty well from a, a catch and shoot. He's not going to blow anybody off the dribble or anything like that. But I think that there's a lot to work with from our staff and they've shown to be able to develop players. So I think OG is certainly worth a look, even with the knee. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, one guy uh, uh, that I think that could have been under consideration, um, but there was some news yesterday that he's not going to, that that kind of really hurts his 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 future is uh, Jonathan Jean. I don't know how to spell. I don't know how to. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's French, uh, but uh, Rudy Gobert. Point out. Yeah, exactly. The guy he was getting a lot of Rudy Gobert comps uh, pre-draft, but um, he was diagnosed with Marfan syndrome, which is something that Isaiah Austin, who was also going to potentially be a lottery pick, was diagnosed with before the draft a few years ago, and that's kept him out of the NBA. So, uh, major bummer for 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 him. Uh, but that's a guy that probably is not going to was on our board of guys to talk about in this podcast. But unfortunately, um, well, I just hope he gets well and, and hope things work out. Uh, Zach Collins is a guy that I don't think is going to drop. The more I talk about the draft, it seems like he's he's pretty much locked into like the top 12 or so. It seems like uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to he's going to get knocked out of that. uh it seems like yeah, he's not going to fall to 15. Yeah, yeah, he's not going to fall. I think that's a pipe dream. But as far as guys to look for, if somebody does slide, I think Collins got to keep it, keep your eye on. He also got interviewed by Oshi at the NBA Draft Combine. They gave him the personality test, and we're kind of picking his brain a bit. So I think that if somebody does fall, Collins has got to keep an eye on. But like you said, I, I don't see him lasting at 15. Another guy that you really like a lot that I – and maybe this is the need thing in me that's just going to my head that, you know, Portland has Dame and CJ. Like, why do they need another guard? Donovan Mitchell is a guy that you really like and was projected a couple of weeks ago to be a, you know, maybe in the Blazers range for their second pick, the number 20 pick. But uh, Draft Express now has him at, uh, at, at 12, which is pretty uh, phenomenal and it also should be mentioned at 12 at a pick for Detroit that is apparently available. Uh, that is something that Mark Stein reported a couple of weeks ago that Detroit was into moving the number 12 pick. 
Yep, absolutely. I mean, you're right. I got this, I got this weird uh, obsession with Donovan Mitchell, even though we do have two small guards already. But I think if that guy's there, that's the definition of the best player available pick. I think at 15, I would feel very comfortable pulling the trigger. You know, he's, he's only 6'3", which, which holds him back a bit, but he's about 215, 220. He's had a 6'11 wingspan, which is really interesting. So he can actually defend some of these guys in kind of this new-age NBA where we're constantly switching things, you know, matching up with the Warriors. He obviously doesn't have the height, but a lot of times nowadays it's, it's more about the reach and the wingspan versus your height. So I think he's good there. The guy can shoot. He shot like 38% from three, if I remember right, at Louisville this last year. Scored 16 points a game. So he's got a good all-around game. I'll give you a comparison for him. I, I, I see a little Marcus Smart in him. So I think the Blazers could, could use a player like that off the bench, especially if we go and trade Crab and you got uh, a need now for a guard if we're just going to trade Crab for a pick or, or something, a forward or something like that. We got a board in the backcourt. I think he'd be a, a kind of good microwave player off the bench. So we'll see. Uh, you know, another uh, Marcus Smart, I like that comp. I like Marcus Smart a lot. Another guy, the, when you're talking about him too defensively being like a pretty, you know, with his length and stuff like that, another thing that came to mind for me was uh, Nor- another my, name was Norman Powell. Yeah. Uh, from from Toronto who, uh, you know, he plays with their two, he plays with their two really good guards and they go super small and play, you know, three guards basically. I mean, DeRozan's a little bit bigger and can play three, but yeah, you know, you you, you are uh, you, you know you do make a point that hey, you know, the, the league is going in that direction, and as you know, the Warriors, you know, with Draymond show, you know, it's not necessarily as much about how tall you are, but how what your reach is and how you can disrupt you know, passing lanes and shots and all that stuff. And if, if Mitchell, you know, if, if Olshea and, and, and the group really feels that strongly about Mitchell and also the Blazers, I they definitely need defense, but they, 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 all, what they really need is, is just guys that can play that are competent on both ends of the floor. Like they yeah. just, they need someone who can defend and take pressure off of Damon CJ and they also need someone who can shoot and create and and do things with the ball in their hands when they're on an island alongside totally. I think the, I think the creation. I think the creation is something we need off the bench, too. Because if you look at the way that Stotts has played, ran his offense and everything, it runs seamlessly when you have Dame, CJ, you have two ball handlers in there. And then when one of those guys sits, there's always been a bit of a drop-off. Obviously, that's why we brought in Turner. He, he's he been a bit slower with the ball. He kind of pounds the ball. Reminds me of like a, a Brandon Roy or Andre Miller at times. So he hasn't really brought that fluidity that we hoped for. I think he's got a lot of other things. But Crab obviously, is not going to dribble. He takes one or two dribbles and passes. That's not his, his role. So we had somebody who could create a bit. And then now that you have three of those creators, if you inserted Mitchell, then you could constantly have one of Mitchell, CJ, Dame on the court at all times. And the offense doesn't really change throughout the game because you always got two ball handlers. So I, I think that could be beneficial, but we'll see uh, who knows what Neil's got up his sleeve. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that, that, that's, a, that's a good point. Um, that reminds me of a trade. So uh, that, that uh, a hypothetical trade that I was asked about from uh, – uh, the homies at Locked On Raptors, um, and they were they were proposing Corey Joseph uh, to the Blazers for uh, to Corey Joseph and a pick to the Blazers. Corey Joseph a first a se- and a second in 2018 for Aminu and 
the 26th pick. So they would allow, they would give Portland the opportunity to move up to 23 and give them a second next year for Aminu uh, and, and Portland's last pick of the first round. I declined that, that trade. Uh, I, I, I just, with, because of how important Aminu is, but I feel like Corey Joseph is a lot in a lot of ways like the idea of Corey Joseph on the Blazers. He would kind he could kind of function in the same way I think as like maybe Mitchell would. But it sounds like to me Mitchell's a little bit of a better scorer or has a more of a scorer's pedigree than Corey Joseph does. Yeah, I would agree. It, this trade doesn't really jump out at me a ton. I mean, it's okay, but I guess my biggest thing would be: is there somebody at twenty three that that Neil's got his eye on that we can't get at twenty six? So I think that would be the biggest thing in this draft. It's so deep. I don't even know if there's that big of a distinction from 23 and 26. So, see, uh, what, what were your thoughts? Is that someone proposed that trade to you uh, on the lockdown network? Are you gonna accept it? Are you gonna what? What are your thoughts? No, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean Woodley from Lockdown Raptors proposed it to me, and I, I, I declined because I, I just think oh, I, I, okay. I, it's Aminu is too important to what they do. I think, and I think. He, I like the way he finished last year. It makes me feel like if he's healthy for a whole season, that he will be better overall again. And I, I'd like to give Aminu another chance because he, and also he's he's really cheap for what he does. Like yeah. he he's so his contract is such a nice contract that it's hard for me to really be like, okay, well, that's a guy we should definitely look to move for another backup point guard. Like, if you can get a backup guy in the draft without having to give up a guy like Aminu, like the, you know, the Donovan, Donovan Mitchell sh- scenario that you're talking about, it, that, that is, you know, that is something to discuss, I think. That, that's something more that I'd be more into than, than giving up Aminu for, an, for another point guard. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's. Uh, I actually I saw another trade I want to bring up uh, as far as going the other way and trading way up. So CBS Sports did a mock draft where they uh, did some trades and whatnot too, kind of similar to this. So they had a, a guy representing each team, and they put through a trade that was all three of our picks to go up to number six uh, for from Orlando and make a swap there. I think the idea in mind was to get a guy like John Isaac or something. You see Olshi, you know, putting all the chips to the to in the table and, and going up to grab a top ten pick. Or is that is that something that's not even happening? Man, uh, you know, I I could see it if because because you know Olshay this Olshay is a draft guy. Like yes. th- this, this is, is his thing. This, this is, his is thing. yes, this is very much his thing, and he's he's described himself as much. Like this is where Olshay shines. So I would I would definitely not doubt that he tries to make a big move in the draft to do. So. I mean, a couple of years ago, you know. You know, on draft day a couple of years ago when I reported that Aldridge was gone, you know, there were a lot of rumors that Portland was trying to move up somehow because they really loved Porzingis. Like, like Olshay is always hustling in the draft. Like, he, he's always trying to make something happen. So if he thinks – I definitely not stand fat, yeah. No, he's he, the guy. Yeah, totally. So if he thinks Isaac is the guy, you know – Th- that would be something. And also, too, you know, maybe, you know, John Hammond uh, is now in Orlando and and that guy has shown that he really knows how to make the most of whatever pick it is at whatever number. 
Like the guy always finds talent somehow. So, you know, if you're Orlando, you're like, hey, okay, well, we have Jonathan Isaac here, but we could also find a bunch of different guys to kind of plug and play and kind of grow this grow this team a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I could see that. I, I could see that happening. I mean, the the one thing with the NBA, obviously, we don't see teams trading down a ton just because it's not the smart move. You, you usually can get an impact player much higher. It's not the NFL draft where they're trading down like that, but. At the same time, like you mentioned, Orlando is in such disarray right now. You know, three first-round picks and a loaded draft could be more beneficial than one guy. Obviously, you're not going to see a team like, you know, Minnesota or, or Phoenix or somebody who has a pretty good young core and they're trying to get as good of an impact player as they can. But, hey, I mean, if I was Orlando, maybe maybe would be willing to roll the dice there and, and pick up uh, three players instead of one. Yeah, Isaac is a guy. Obviously, that that would be awesome because I, I just he just he fits exactly what we're talking about. You know, three four, athletic could be you know could be a starter and, and just kind of looks like a guy that can play uh, and and play in that role. Obviously, you know he's gonna have a learning curve just like all rookies do, but he seems like a guy that fits the positional need, has a little bit more uh, potential to be an impact player. And Orlando, like, you know, Orlando has, uh, you know, they have a lot of other concerns. I don't, I don't think having, you know, young, good draft picks, you know, is, is that much of a concern, but maybe if they, if they think that Isaac could be maybe a new star to build around, maybe that's what they look at. But that I, I think, I think Orlando of all the teams that are in the top 10, or in the top six, I guess, is the team that I think would be the most likely to be interested in a deal like that because the the rumors are that the Kings are, like, down to maybe trade both of their picks to move up at five and ten. Uh, but I don't think that that's a good idea. I think they can get a really good player at five. And I, I just don't think they should do that. But you never know. And then the Blazers have been talking with – the Knicks, you know, that has been reported by ESPN and the Knicks pick right now, it looks like right now Malik Monk is the guy that everyone's projecting to go at eight. Monk, a guy that kind of, again, is is kind of a combo guard and I think would be uh, – but if he's if he's around, you know, that is that, you know, a best player available situation where you would want them to take Monk if he's there? You know, Monk's interesting because I've heard some star comparisons to him. I actually saw a report the other day that that some people had Monk in their top three or four as players, you know, most likely to be a star. But I don't know. I think he replicates Damon CJ just a bit too much. I'm going against my best player available thing here now. But, uh, I mean, look at him. He's six four. He's got a six four wingspan. Once again, that's not that's a, not a lot of comparisons. Yeah, it's not great. I just think that. We, we could probably score a lot, but I think we'd be even more of a revolving door on defense than we are now. So I think I would stay away from Monk. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see uh, if uh, if we pull a, pull a move off to get up in the top 10 because there's some players to be had there. And so especially with a team, we already have a playoff team. So, you know, maybe Neil's thinking, and, hey, I don't, I don't want to insert necessarily three rookies here. Let's try and get the best player we can. But obviously you need a trade partner for that. So. It'll be. Uh, it's definitely going to be an exciting night. I think we'll see a lot of we dealing. Yeah, exactly. The other the other thought that I just had too was, you know, if if teams really believe if there are teams out there that you know believe in that same 
you know, ranking that you talked about that Monk could mm-hmm. be a top three player in this draft and he's there and Portland somehow trades that pick, it also could be a situation where they're like, okay, well, now we snagged Malik Monk. Who wants him? Yeah. Cause I could totally see that. I, I could definitely, because I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, Neil, the last time the Blazers had a pick, that's what he did. And, 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 and yeah. I, and I think if, if Monk really does generate a lot of that buzz for teams, then I, I think that that would be something that the Blazers could, uh, that would be like Monk in theory could be a centerpiece in a package in the way that people have talked about splitting up Damon CJ. Like, like if, if people yeah. really believe he could be like the leader of a really good offense, that would be something to look at. I, I, I think, you know, moving up just for that, uh, would be would be uh, really interesting because then they could say okay well maybe we don't have a a, a you know a a pick in name but what if we package you know monk and crab or something yeah yeah like yeah. I, I I think that's something else and make it more valuable so I someone to slide people slide every year so I I mean there's certainly a possibility it could be him it could be Isaac uh, I mean, there's a late guys that that could start slipping into that eight nine ten and then. And maybe uh, you know teams are calling and there's a trade to be made. A um, couple guys that have worked out for the Blazers recently, and then we'll we'll probably wrap this up. But I want to talk about them. Harry Giles was at practice uh, at, at, at the the practice facility yesterday. Uh, interesting guy. Again, I think uh, a lot maybe a lot of the same concerns uh, as OG uh, because I think Harry Giles was not very long ago, the number one overall player in, in this class. Uh, but then he got, he got three knees, I think three ACLs. That definitely gives me pause as a Blazer fan, but Hey, like I said, I I think this is the time where, you know, we go high risk reward. I think if he's there at 26, pull the trigger 20, I'm a little iffy on and kind of depends on the players that are available, but you know, like you said, this is the time where if, if he could be our power forward future and, and he regains that athleticism and, and starts playing up to that number one ranking that he had in high school, I mean, that would be a huge win for us. So I think teams are, are naturally scared of that. But I, I'm intrigued to see if Neil uh, kind of has some uh, – feels like he can gamble a bit on one of those picks, which three kind of gives him that luxury. So Yeah, totally. And then another guy who was in uh, yesterday was Justin Patton from Creighton. Seven footer, seven three wingspan, uh, can shoot uh, the three, which is nice. Uh, obviously, I, again, I, I think you want a player that is is that's great that he has the versatility. If he can do that and crash the glass a little bit uh, and and be a good defensive rebounder, I think that would be really big. It, you know, that's where he had most of his success, and he also averaged almost two offensive boards a game, which to me, again, is a really important thing. I, 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 the, for the Blazers especially, I think having a big man, your big man be able to grab offensive boards is a major key for the success and the health of the Blazers' offense. So uh, if he can offensive rebound and shoot threes, like that's, that's uh, a combination that I'm really into for a Blazers big man. Like a guy, if he can step out, space the court, and crash the glass on the offensive board and get those extra possessions, I think that's a guy that I'd be really interested in looking at too. 
Absolutely. I mean, what's really intriguing to me, like you said, is his shooting ability. He's, he definitely has the size of a true center. He's seven feet tall. He can be bound. He can run the floor well. Uh, really well-spoken in interviews and, and seemed to know what the Blazers needed and how he could kind of fit in. But I think that the three-point is interesting to kind of be able to spread the floor. Uh, he does have some untapped potential there, so I think you're, you're going on a potential play. But uh, I think the ability to shoot and bound kind of fits what we need and what we Myers would have been so that could be interesting too at 20 I honestly wouldn't be mad at pulling a trigger on him at, at 15 as well depending on who's on the board so yeah hey uh also too you know if they pull the trigger on that and you know after the draft I'm not gonna because the one thing I think I, I think our one caution I think we both agree on this is during the draft when the Blazers pick is announced I will not actually think that that guy's on the Blazers until like a few days after the draft because mm-hmm. I just don't, I'm not, I don't think that, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think there's going to be a lot of options in play. And I think Olshay is going to want to keep all options in play during the draft. I think he's going to be like, you know, like we just talked about, he's a draft guy. Uh, but Patton is a guy that I would look at, but like I said, if he gets picked, you know, that would seem to me like, they're going to figure out a way to move Myers Leonard or something like that because, uh, you know, we just talked about his profile, seven-footer, center size, three-point shooter, basically exactly what Myers does. And yep. so uh, – I think that would be a pretty clear indication someone's out going out the door. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's something to keep in mind. Another guy, I don't know if we talked about yet, that I, I really have found too is Ike, the center out of uh, UCA. He's, he's pretty interesting to me. Obviously, a little bit of cost for concern too as far as lack of production. Uh, if you watched much Pac-12 basketball this year, you probably didn't see him a ton unless he was blocking a shot or, or throwing down a huge dunk. But only four points, four rebounds a game. But he's young. He's a freshman. 6'10". He's got a 7'6 wingspan. Going back to the length, I mean – the guy is huge, and I kind of see a little bit. This is obviously a stats, but I see a little bit of DeAndre Jordan in him uh, on the way that he catches lobs, the way he rolls to the rim, which is I think obviously we need three point shooting, and and uh, but I think someone who rolls to the rim is something that's really key for us this year too. Obviously Nurkic supplied a bunch of that when he came over, but if you look at you know guys like Myers and some of those who have that three point shot, they tended to go to the three and they never roll to the rim. So I think if we had Another guy like that that could really be a force coming down the lane. Someone for Damon TJ to dump it off to. And, and also an alley-oop threat who I don't think we've had you know, an athlete like that since I can't even remember when. So, no, that's a, uh, that's a good that, point. That, that guy, I got on him too. So. Yeah, and, 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 and I think you know, he's a guy too that obviously he wouldn't start uh, ahead of Nurkic. But he's a guy too where you could bring him in. And, and that's another guy that makes – Myers Leonard and Ed Davis even more expendable I think because if you think that he can come in and credibly rebound the ball set screens and roll hard you know that's pretty much all you need out of your big man on the second unit and Davis had a down year last year he was hurt put a bunch of weight on didn't really help him uh Myers was dealing with injuries as well so you know I, I think there there is definitely a conversation about the third big and I, I guess it'll I, it'll probably just kind of be hard though. I think I think the whole NBA kind of has problems right now when it comes to having big men and trying to move big men because so many teams have a bunch of big men that they can't really play. 
Yeah, and they're all locked into these huge contracts now. So, yeah, the big man dilemma is interesting, especially when we were just talking about matching up with Golden State and how the Cavs can't play Tristan Thompson. But we'll we'll see. I, I think he's good. The one thing, too, that I think is interesting is you mentioned the ceiling on Ike or someone like that would be the, the idea is to bring him in as a backup. I think with a 15 pick, we have to go with someone who we're confident in could actually start on this team. So I think that is, once again, kind of keeping in mind, best player available, someone who has the potential and ability to start. But I, I like Ike in the, in the 20 pick range. So, uh, you know, Ike, Justin Patton, uh, Harry Giles, Donovan Mitchell, I think those are some guys for, for Blazer fans to keep their eye on. OG, another one. Uh, and John Collins is kind of the, the guy. And so... Excited to see what happens. Yeah, totally. Well, Chad, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. It was fun to talk draft, and and I'm 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 getting excited here. The draft is now less than two weeks away, which is pretty wild. It, it, it snuck up on us here, uh, June twenty second. So uh, very excited for that. Uh, Chad, we'll be chatting obviously more uh, as the draft gets closer but thanks again for coming on uh and uh it was fun talking draft man yeah i appreciate it man it's a pleasure and i hope to be back soon absolutely It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.